Welcome to This is Texas Wine. I'm Shelley Wilfong, a wine educator, writer, and Texas wine enthusiast. On this podcast, I share Texas wine news, interview the most important people in the Texas wine industry, and bring you the information you need to be a more informed Texas wine drinker. Thanks for joining me on this Texas wine journey. This is episode 22. On this episode, I interview Susan Johnson of Texas Heritage Vineyard in Fredericksburg. I've got the scoop on how Texas wineries fared in the 2021 Texom International Wine Awards, one of the toughest wine competitions in the world. Plus, I've got all the latest news about the Texas wine industry. Whether you're a regular listener or joining in for the first time, welcome to This is Texas Wine. Texom International Wine Awards have been released, and I hope you saw my post about it on social media. The top two Texas wines awarded went to Spicewood Vineyards for the 2017 Battle of Toro Red Blend from the Texas Hill Country, and William Chris Vineyards for the 2019 Roussan from La Pradera Vineyard in the Texas High Plains. I'll be sharing my thoughts on these wines in the next podcast. There were also six platinum medals awarded to Texas wineries. Bent Oak Winery got two, one for the 2019 Blanc du Bois and another for the 2019 Sauvignon Blanc from the Texas High Plains. Kerrville Hills Winery Simeon from the Rustic Spur Vineyard also got a platinum medal, as did Yano Estacado Winery's 1836 Red Blend. The final platinum medals went to Lost Draw Cellars for their 2018 Texas High Plains Morvedra and to Stone Ledge Winery for their 2018 Malbec. There were also 13 golds, 80 silvers, and 84 bronzes that were awarded, and I'm thrilled for the winners. I've mentioned many times on this podcast before that I volunteer for the Texom International Wine Awards, and it's really an honor to work that competition and to be involved on the operations side of things. This year in particular, after so many months of lockdown, it was really a treat to be there, meet some great people, and work very long days with a stellar group of fellow volunteers. The Texom judges are just so accomplished, and I was absolutely beaming, like practically in tears, listening to the judges talk about these Texas wines, especially those that were judges' selections and platinum-level award winners. It's a great time to be a Texas wine enthusiast. And I have a tip for those winery representatives who submitted wines to Texom. The panel directors captured notes on most of the wines that went before the judges, and if you contact the Texom team, they'll share those notes with you. I think there are definitely some great comments that you'll be interested in seeing. And you can do that whether your wines placed very well or didn't place at all. Cheers to all the winners and those who were involved at the Texom International Wine Awards. One of the new awarded Texom gold medal wines is the 2019 Pedernales Viognier Reserve. It appeared in Southern Living in an article called The Best Summer Wines for Sipping Outside, According to Southern Sommeliers. Denise Clark of Texas Fine Wine made that suggestion to Southern Living. She says Viognier certainly makes the list of white wines that do well in Texas. This highly aromatic white has notes of pear, peaches, caramel, and lime, and is a perennial favorite from this family-owned winery. She says its 2012 Viognier won gold at the prestigious Concourse International de Lyon wine competition based in the heart of France, the home of Viognier. This selection concludes by saying that Viognier pairs well with cheeses such as goat gouda 
or a double cream soft ripened cheese and roast chicken. Speaking of wine and cheese, check out the new Texas Wine and Cheese Pairing Guide by Texas Fine Wine. I recently joined in with a group of fellow Texas wine enthusiasts to taste through some of the recommended wine and cheese pairings. And this Viognier Reserve from Pedernales was a delicious pairing with brie. I also enjoyed the Bending Branch Frizzante Rosé of Tanat with goat cheese. But red wines pair well with cheeses too, like the Dukeman Sangiovese that was a nice match for some aged Gouda I had on hand. The pairing of the night for me, though, was the Spicewood Vineyards 2017 Syrah. And I paired it with, not cheese, but with peppered salami, although a bold cheese would have worked too. These Texas Fine Wine Happy Hours are a lot of fun, so see if you can join in the next one on June 10th. Or on June 10th, you could join me online for a Zoom wine tasting to benefit the Texas Oncology Foundation in San Antonio. The Texas Oncology Foundation helps cancer patients and their families, and funds raised from this event will stay right in the San Antonio market. We'll be tasting four wines from Texas Fine Wines, presented by yours truly. Find out all about this event and the wine bundle on the event website, which is uncork to support txof.com. You can find that in the show notes. May 27th is the deadline for registering if you plan to get wines for the event. Thanks to Texas Fine Wine for making this wine bundle available at a discounted price to support the Texas Oncology Foundation. House Bill 1957 is a piece of legislation in Texas that will tighten up wine labeling for Texas wines. For the first time, Texas wineries are pretty much uniformly behind this legislation that requires wines with an AVA, a vineyard, or a county appellation on the label to be 100% from Texas fruit. This bill has passed the House and the Senate and is just waiting on the governor's signature. Finally, I had a Texas wine article published on the State Fair of Texas blog. It's an article about Texas rosé and the Texas wineries where you can go try them. I featured rosés from 4R Ranch, Farmhouse Vineyards, Coleman Cellars, Lost Draw Cellars, St. Trifon, and Valley Mills Vineyards. Read the article at BigTex.com to find out which of these wineries features a mountain biking trail, which one serves addictive herbed almonds, and which wine bottle includes a link to a song that is meant to be paired with the wine. The link to that article and to all the news I've mentioned can be found at thisistexaswine.com. And that's the Texas Wine News. Now it's my pleasure to share this interview with Susan Johnson of Texas Heritage Vineyard, Susan has had a whirlwind life for the past several years, as she's retired from corporate life, gone to school for viticulture and enology, and started not just growing grapes, but also making wine and opening a tasting room in Fredericksburg. Listen to what motivates Susan to work so hard, and get the details about Texas Heritage Vineyard next. Where does your Texas wine story begin? My Texas wine story begins on my retirement from my 31-year career with State Farm Insurance. Um, That was in 2013. And um, my husband made the mistake of telling me that I was too young to do nothing and that I should um, figure out a new career for myself. 
I realize now I probably should have pushed back on that a little bit. But um, when he asked me what I wanted to do, I really couldn't think of anything because I had been really busy, like most of us are every day. I had been really busy and I hadn't had a lot of time to consider if I had free time, what, what I would do, except possibly grow a garden. And so he suggested that I should take viticulture through Texas Tech campus here in Fredericksburg. And I pushed back on that a little bit. I wasn't sure that I really wanted to get into that two-year program. But in the end, he convinced me that he thought it would be fun for me. So I signed up and started in the um, viticulture program at Texas Tech. And as you might guess, everyone in that program is already into wine in one way or another. They're either growing grapes, they're working in wineries, they make wine, they want to make wine. Um, there's just a connection between all the students in those classes. And so obviously um, you just, you, you, you get the bug. If you don't have the bug big time already, then um, with those people around you and hearing their passion for it, um, you just, you just, you know, I already knew I really liked to drink wine. Um, so then uh, I decided that we should probably try our hand at growing grapes. And so that's kind of how the whole thing started. Were you already a fan of Texas wine or did you drink wines from other places mostly? Well, being in Fredericksburg since 2002 and um, I was the state farm agent here in town for a while. And so I had some wineries um, here insured. And, you know, back in those days, in those olden days, 19 years ago, there weren't very many wineries. And so we were pretty much members at all of those wineries and, and drank their wine and um, just grew to like it and grew to like the, the changes, the, the evolving uh climate, the evolving taste of all those wines. And so, uh, yeah, we, we knew we liked it and, uh, it just got to be, uh, more of a, more of a passion than just a like over that time. So you started growing grapes and it sounds like your vineyard is out toward old tunnel state park. Yes, it is. It is. Yes. The old tunnel state park. It's the smallest state park in the state. Uh, and it's where the, the train, the Fredericksburg Northern train came through that tunnel starting in 1913. And the track for that um, train goes right on the edge of our vineyard. Uh, it's actually where the road in the vineyard is now was that, that train track. So we actually have a wine named um, Time Traveler after um, that, that train and the changes that it made forever in the Texas Hill Country. But I digress. Yes, our vineyard is on, uh, believe it or not, Grape Town Road. We did not name it that. That was named by the old German settlers who settled here. And we, we bought, at, after I signed up for the Texas Tech and we decided that we should probably do this. We really had a passion for it. We, uh, we purchased a piece of property out there. Part of that property was already high fenced and kind of ready for grapevines. Um, a man had had a kind of a truck farm. He grew vegetables out there. And so the high fencing, as you know, is an expensive uh, component of putting in a vineyard. And that was already there. And so we, um, 
We ordered our first grapevines in 2013 when I started the class. We ordered just uh, one acre or 800 vines worth of Tempranillo to see if we could really do it. And uh, so that's that's kind of how it all got started. And how many acres do you have under vine now? We have 12 and a half acres, which doesn't sound like very many. But believe me, I was out there last night until dark. And uh, it's a lot. It's, uh, you know, for for small uh, farmers, uh, that's a lot of vines to uh, take care of. And as you know, um, you're you're into wine and into vineyards and all those things, every vine has to be touched at least five times a year by, um, in our case, by a human hand. And so it's it's very labor intensive and there aren't very many of us um, on our crew that work it. I actually love being in the vineyard. That's kind of my peaceful place now that we're making wine and selling wine and all those wonderful things. The vineyard is quiet and peaceful. The only problem is last night I didn't put on any bug spray and I seem to have acquired some chiggers. So it's Uh a, it's a risk of the trade, I guess. So are you still as excited about Tempranillo as you were when you planted that first block? Absolutely. Absolutely. We love our Texas Tempranillo. Um, as you know, the the earthiness of it and the, you know, just to be able to taste the minerals and the, the dirt really uh, in a good way uh, in Tempranillo is uh, it's one of my favorites. We um, we have three now, three estate Tempranillos, three different years, 16, 17 and 18. Um, and we absolutely love those wines. So it's it's one of my favorites. And what else do you have planted now? We have uh, Malbec, and we're very excited about our Malbec. We won a a best of class for our state Malbec uh, last year at the San Antonio Rodeo uh, competition and beat out 12 Argentinian Malbecs and all the other Texas Malbecs that entered that competition. So we're really proud of that. We think it's a great wine. We also grow Alicante Boucher, which is um, an old French grape. The French used Alicante a lot in blending. It's a very intensely red grape. It's a true tintere, tinteria, meaning that the pulp and the skin are red. So it's it's truly intense. Uh, and it's it's very, it's not it's not so tannic. It's very fruit forward. And we absolutely love the way that tastes in the bottle. We also have Tanat, uh, which, uh, you know, we love too. And uh, Susau, which is a Portuguese varietal that grows really well in Texas. It takes a few years for those vines to take off. But I was actually in the Susau vines last night and they look great. There's a lot of fruit being set there. Uh, lots of lots of flowers right now. And then last but not least, our one white grape is Viognier. Well, it sounds like your opportunity out there um, started as a vineyard, but since then you have opened a winery right there on uh, the 290 Wine Road. So yes. how did you decide to open a tasting room and a place for, um, rather than sell your sell your grapes? Just crazy. Uh, that's about the only thing I can say. We... Um, <laughs> Seriously, we uh, we thought about it long and hard because uh, both my husband and I are 
of course, retirement age. And uh, we, we truly feel like now that if it doesn't kill us, it's going to make us stronger and doing all the work ourselves. We work really long days, but anything that you want to be successful, you have to put that time in. And if you look at all the successful people through the ages, it doesn't really just happen. You have to work hard at it. So we work really hard at that. We, uh, like you said, in the beginning, we thought we would just grow some grapes and sell them just to see how that worked out. And of course, being in the viticulture class and then signing up for eonology um, at Tech, it didn't take us very long to decide that we should go ahead and just go all in. And so we built our winery building out there at the site in 2017 and started making wine out there. And uh, we've made wine there every year since. So this will be our... Uh, our fourth year to actually make wine out there this year. That's great. Yeah. I saw that the Fredericksburg standard paper named you the best tasting room for the reader's choice awards in 2020. So what, what should people expect when they visit you and why do you think that that award um, is especially deserved well, and first, let me just say we're very proud that we were voted um, the best tasting room. There are obviously a lot of tasting rooms out here, and there are a lot of great tasting rooms. There's a lot of really great wine now, so we're we're very honored that um, we were voted that by um, by the people. We think that it's because we have just a super inclusive atmosphere in our tasting room. We're we're not pretentious at all about any of our wines, nor would we have a right to be at this point in our wine career. Um, we we want to share um, the fruits of our labor with people, and we want people to be able to truly relax and enjoy themselves when they're at our tasting room. We have a beautiful view of the Texas Hill Country off of our back decks. And obviously, since COVID, we've been doing everything on our back decks outside. We have a huge fireplace out there that's always lit in, on cold days. We have fire pit tables. We have just a lot of welcoming things back there. And more than anything else, our people, um, our, our employees, almost everybody that works with us in the tasting room has been here since the beginning. And we try to make it a cool place for them to work. With, a, with an inclusive atmosphere and, and just a fun atmosphere. We try to include them in a lot of decisions about what we're doing with our wines. And we try to include them in uh, special tastings for employees. And last year during COVID, they all went out and worked in the vineyard. And uh, we just try to, try to make them feel included. And they, in turn, make our customers feel very welcome and included. Well, and there's the great wine. (laughs) Well, that helps, certainly. Yes, yes. I also noticed that Texas Monthly named you guys one of the eight wineries that do Texas Spring right. And it sounds like you've got quite the the setup on your back patio and that that's really um, been a wonderful thing, like you said, during COVID. Yeah. So I can't wait to check that out personally. And and also, I've read that you do a lot with uh, Texas music and have live music on the weekends. We do. We do. We love our Texas musicians. 
We think that that's as much a part of um, the culture, not just in Fredericksburg, but definitely the Austin area, all around the Hill Country. Those Texas musicians just add such a wonderful element to our lives. And, you know, music can transport you to a different time and different place. And we just, we love having them. We, over the years, have made really good friends with a lot of the musicians and we we just we love the the uh, extra um lignap so to speak that they add to the experience at our tasting room so they they play normally on sundays however we do have them um special events and some fridays we have music but sundays are our local days on the back deck. It's nothing to see a hundred locals out there enjoying the music and the sunshine and some great Texas music. That's super. I noticed that your bottle has a Texas flag very prominently displayed. (laughs) And then reading a little further, I saw that you actually do uh, retirement ceremonies for flags, Texas flags that are being taken out of commission. I'm not sure if that's the right terminology, Yes, but that's a special thing. Would you like to say something about that? Well, absolutely. We, um, we love all things, Texas. We are very, very proud of our Texas lineage and, um, hopefully without being boastful, we're just proud of our state and our people and our heroes past, present and future. And we try to honor those in a lot of different ways. But one of those ways is the Texas flag retirement ceremony. Not a lot of people have ever seen the Texas flag retired, but we do that here on all Texas honor days like San Jacinto day and, um, Texas Independence Day, we uh, we conduct those ceremonies. And my husband, Billy, actually is the one who does the ceremony. And it involves getting about four or five volunteers and you cut the colors out of the Texas flag and you talk about what each color represents to Texas. And then you, you burn those one at a time. And it's a very moving ceremony. He's probably done that ceremony 25 times and he gets a tear in his eye every time that he does it. It's just very meaningful to him. I would love to see that. That sounds neat. Tell me a little bit about your winemaker. So when we started making wine, we had uh, help from John Rabenberg, who um, has worked, worked, had was part of Bending Branch. Now he owns Kerrville Hills Winery and he's helped a lot of people get started in the wine business And he consulted with us. He helped us a a lot in the 16, 17 vintages. And then from 18 on, well, 18, 19, he consulted with us, uh, but kind of a hands-off consulting um, structure. And so Tyler Budemeyer, uh, who is a a young winemaker who has also been through Texas Tech's um, eonology and um, viticulture courses, uh, is the chief winemaker. I do help him. Uh, I can mix up a mean yeast concoction and we, we share choosing what, you know, what grapes that we want to try to procure, pr- procure. We share, um, a lot of the different decision making about, you know, when things are ready to bottle and, and what we need to do to them and, and those kind of things. But he does the heavy lifting. He's, uh, he's a, 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 he went to Texas Tech originally and majored in, in, uh, 
chemistry and biology. And then he ended up uh, having quite a long college career, as some of us do. But he ended up graduating with a degree in technical marketing. But uh, kind of that wasn't suited to him after he got into the workplace. So we're very lucky to have him. And we have won some awesome awards uh, just in the past year uh, it, with wines that, that he's really done from start to finish. And um, it's just, it's very, very cool to be a part of that. If people were visiting for the first time, which if they could only try one of your wines, what would you want them to try? And what would you want them to know about it? That's kind of a three-prong question because our Tempranillo has forever been our bestseller. And uh, we've gotten gold medals on it at different Texas competitions. We have not sent it to like San Francisco um, I will tell you that I, we just did inventory, you know, at the first of the month and, uh, we are, we are almost out of our most, uh, sought after Tempranillo, which was the 17 vintage. I think we have nine cases left. We do have an 18 vintage, uh, that we'll bring to the tasting room and start serving. Now, these are not our estate temps. These are, these are grapes that we brought from some other people, but that has forever been sort of our flagship and what, I mean, I love them, but, uh, this past uh, this past January, we entered our Susau, the Portuguese varietal, in San Francisco Chronicle competition, and it got a double gold. We absolutely love this wine. It is not um, it's not real tannic. It's very fruit forward. It's the mouthfeel is just velvety, and the finish is just it's incredible. And I absolutely love that one too. So. Interesting. I helped harvest that grape over at Abastris last summer. Oh, awesome. So, They're yeah. good friends of ours. We, you know, we, we, we grew up with them in the wine industry. So yeah, Excellent. that's awesome. And was there a third prong? The you third prong. The yes, yes, yes. Well, my personal favorite, and I'm a, I'm a red wine drinker, but I have come to have an affinity for our white wine uh, called Time Traveler, which was after the railroad track, the railroad that ran through the vineyard. And that's a blend of Viognier and Roussan. It's 50-50 blend. And it's a light white wine. Uh, it's It's just the acids are perfect on it. And it's just kind of my go-to at the end of the day when we're closing up in the tasting room, I'm always looking to see, is there any time traveler left? And um, it just, I absolutely love it. So that's my third prong. I have to throw a white in there. Excellent. So when you bring in grapes from other growers that you partner with, do you get them all from the high plains or also some from other hill country vineyards? That's a great question. In, in 2020 uh, harvest season, we uh, worked at our winery, uh, 91.8 tons of fruit, and it was 100% from the Texas Hill Country. So 28 tons from our own vineyard. And our vineyard was not all planted at the same time, like most people's vineyards. Our vineyards, you know, was planted, uh, you know, four or five different years. So varying stages of, of, of uh, maturity. So 28 tons from our own vineyard and the rest were from other growers in the hill country. However, in 2019, we worked 130 tons and only 50 tons were from the hill country. So we brought in over 80 tons from the high plains and we love those growers. Some of our best wines are um, from grapes from those growers. 
So what is your case production? What does all that tonnage equal as far as cases of wine? We're doing about 6,000 cases a year. And is that where you want it to be or do you have growth plans or well you know everybody the grapes have their own ideas I know but <laughs> yeah well everybody starts out with one plan and um as it will happen which I guess is a natural occurrence plans kind of take shape on their own and morph into uh what what they should be but our original plan was to uh, stay small. We we don't distribute. We we don't we don't distribute to like supermarkets. We are in several um, lovely restaurants and other sales places in Gillespie County and a couple of other places in the state. But our plan was to be small to be able to do small batch wines and um, for that to be who we were. You know, as you look forward, uh, I can see us going to 10,000 cases really easily as you grow and your wine club grows. I mean, you just, it's just kind of a natural thing, I think. And, you know, the five year plan, uh, I, I mean, the wine industry here in Fredericksburg is going crazy and the five year plan's kind of blown up. So I guess that's a good thing. Not complaining. Absolutely. Yeah. What's it like to be right there in the thick of things on, on 290 and to have, um, such an active tourism scene. It's crazy. It is absolutely insane here. The weekends are just sort of a free for all, especially Saturdays because of the tour companies. Uh, thank goodness for them. And the 290 wine shuttle that shuttles people around to the different wineries. It is just nonstop from 10 in the morning until six in the evening. And it's fun. It's, it's a challenge trying to manage where to put people and, you know, make sure that we, everybody has a great experience. That's the most important thing is to make sure that they have a good experience in our tasting room. But I can tell you that after Saturday, it really doesn't stop. Um, a typical week, you know, we'll have two or three events even in the evening. So this is this week, the, the May 8th marks Fredericksburg 175th anniversary. And we did a commemorative wine for that. And so we're serving that tonight. They're serving that tonight at the Convention Visitors Bureau here in town. And so we'll be there for that. And then we have an estate tasting in our barrel room on Thursday evening. So it seems that there are extracurricular activities every single week, but it's, it's a blast. It's fun. Most of the wineries, 99% of people that are out here on 290 are very helpful, very collaborative. We at Texas Heritage, our philosophy is that more ships in the harbor raise the tide. And so we, we love having a lot of wineries. We love having choices for the customers of places to go. We think that that helps everyone. And I noticed that you're part of the Texas Hill Country Wineries Association. Yes. So I'm guessing yes. you've got a lot of visitors that come in on the different passport programs and events that they yes, sponsor. Yes, we, we do. And we absolutely love those programs. I know, I guess maybe when you get to a certain size winery that those uh, may be harder to handle, but we love those. We It brings people in that we might not ever get through our doors and we love sharing our wines with them. That's great. And it's so nice that you've been able to maintain your employees, many of them since the beginning when you right. opened, because I know labor is in such short supply 
right now in the Hill Country, it seems like everyone is hiring and yes. you know, desperately looking for people that are willing to come be part of the team and learn yes. the wines and yes. and guarantee satisfaction for your guests. So yes. that's good. Yes, thank so you. So what do you love to drink? If you had to pick a <laughs> desert island wine from Texas, from anywhere, what, what is it that you get excited wow. about? Well, that's a really hard question because I, I love a lot of different wines. Um, in the old days, before our winemaking stint, uh, I loved uh, I loved the cabs from California, Silverado and Nickel and Nickel and those big, hearty cabs, Jericho Canyon. Now, uh, I love our white wines now. Yeah, they're they're kind of my thing. If I was going to take anything, I'd take an ice chest with some of our time traveler in it. That would be that would be what I'd pack with me. When you went to the viticulture school, did you anticipate that you would be making the varieties that you settled on, or what were your naive dreams in 2013 when you enrolled? <laughs> I had very naive dreams. <laughs> Actually, I didn't even know exactly what my dreams were. But no, I did not know. And a lot of um, a lot of the choice about what we started out with was based on what vines were available quickly. As you know, it takes about a year and a half to order vines, have them grafted, and get them to the to the uh, to the vineyard. So we started out the Malbec and the Alicante Boucher. We planted, not that we don't love those, and we, we're so glad they're in there now because they're some of our favorites, but um, they were available that year. Um, they were available on the right rootstock. So that was really sort of just a stroke of luck that the people that we were buying from had those. And then fortunately, we were able to order from then on the vines that we wanted and looking back on it now, um, I would love to have put in the whole, the, the high fenced area in our, in our farm is 16 acres. I would love to have put in the whole 16 acres at one time, but it is so hard to work um, new grapevines and get them to where they need to be, to be fruitful that, you know, unless you've just got a great crew or can hire a great crew from somewhere, that's really hard to do. So. Oh, I bet. Hit or miss. And you've been, as far as winemaking goes, you've been using all Texas grapes since the beginning. Is that since right? Since the beginning, yes. It'd be hard to be called Texas Heritage without using 100% Texas grapes. Very <laughs> so, true. Yeah. Where can people connect with you on social media? We are on, um, of course, Facebook and Instagram as Texas Heritage Vineyard, and we would love for them to connect with us on those sites. We uh, post uh, different events, different things that are going on two to three times per week on those sites. And if they want to try your wine, if they're not in Gillespie County, they I'm guessing you ship all over the state at least, if not beyond. We do. We do. We use um, a fulfillment um, center here in Gillespie County and they ship to 39 different states. And we do have uh, online our, our Texas Heritage website where people can order wine. Are you the only label with the Texas flag on the front? Gosh, I don't know that. I should know that. I started looking into that and I saw some Texas looking seals and things, but as far as the actual flag, I 
I couldn't find any others. But Well, I will tell you that when we, uh, luckily, we, we had a lot of really lucky uh, things happen to us along this road when we were starting this. And one of those was being at a music event, sitting at a table of eight people with a trademark lawyer who I didn't really know. And this person asked, well, you know, have you, have you trademarked your logo and your, and I'm like, trademark, seriously. And she said, well, nobody will care until you're successful and then uh, they'll care. And so I dug around and we got trademarked. And I will tell you that getting trademarked, we had to disclaim ownership of the word Texas and separately disclaim the ownership of heritage and separately disclaim vineyard. Uh, as you might guess, they're very particular at the federal government level about trademarks, but yeah. uh, we could put it all together and say Texas Heritage Vineyard. Um, so it was, that was a fun experience too. Not, not exactly during that time. But. <laughs> <laughs> There's so much I'm sure that uh, did, did enology and viticulture school prepare you for all the business aspects that you'd be handling? No, I think it's much more the art part, um, the art and science part of grape growing and making wine. There are classes in the enology part. The um, the uh, compliance class is definitely very helpful. And if you don't have that down, uh, you don't want to go into this business. And now again, through Lucky Strokes, we have people that help us with our monthly reporting and our, uh, you know, tax reporting and all of those kinds of things. Thank goodness, because that is a full-time job in and of itself to keep up with everything that the government wants to know about you from getting labels through through approval to, um, you know, doing all your monthly and quarterly reports, all of those aspects of it. But the, the, the course, I think, uh, both of those courses, um, the, the contacts that you make while you're studying those are very, very valuable for all the marketing and the business aspects of it. Oh, I bet. Well, this has been so informative. Is there anything that I didn't ask you about that you think is important to mention? Well, we covered a lot of topics. Um, I will say that we, we have four children. My husband and I have four children and, um, only, only one at this point is really working. She works with us every day as my daughter, Jessica Allen is the manager of the tasting room. And the others all have their careers that they're happy with and in love with. And so, you know, if you think you're going to build a business, uh, to give to your children, they're all going to love it. That's probably not you know, your dream can't be their dream. And so um, that's, that's a bit of advice. And my other advice is that um, I started into this when I was 58. And if you think that you can't reinvent yourself, if you're not happy with what your current course of your life is, uh, every person has the ability to change that. It is not easy. It is very hard work. But I think we all have the ability to uh, make things different in our own lives. So That's wonderful. So were you in Fredericksburg for your State Farm career? 
Yes, we actually moved from Austin to Fredericksburg. I was, uh, this is kind of a roundabout answer, but I was in Austin as a manager of agents. And I learned that the agent in Fredericksburg was going to retire. And I went immediately and told my boss that I needed to go back into our agency arm and be the agent in Fredericksburg, to which she replied, you, you don't want to do that. And I said, no, no, I really do. It took me a year to convince them that I really meant that. And they were gracious enough to allow me to um, take over that agency when the agent retired. And so I did that for four years when we first moved out here. And then they convinced me to go back into leadership, but this time in San Antonio. So I drove to San Antonio uh, the last seven years of my career, but it was a great career. Oh, wow. No, no regrets. And of course, lots of our uh, people who drink our wine are, are people that I knew in my previous career. So it's it's fun. It's been fun. That's cool. Well, you've seen a lot of changes in Fredericksburg. Oh, yes. Fredericksburg. And especially this year, my goodness, things are crazy here. Um, every, I, I mean, since COVID, Fredericksburg shut down to a degree, but I think possibly not quite so much a degree as a lot of the other areas. And uh, it's just been, it's, it's, it's crazy. And now, you know, you can't buy a home here anymore. There are 14 offers on homes. The first, I kind of like Austin, 14 offers on homes the very first day that they're listed. And uh, it's, it's quite the place to be. So we love it here. We think there are lots of great people here who have chosen to be here and they share their talents uh, freely with all of the nonprofits. And it's just a, it's a very inclusive, fun place to be. That's cool. I hope that as all those people have road tripped to Fredericksburg over the past year, year and a half, that we've converted a lot of them to be Texas wine lovers. Well, I can tell you, we've done our best to try. <laughs> we, uh, anytime we hear, well, you know, I don't like Texas wines. We try not to be horrified. We try to uh, gently uh, let them taste uh, some excellent Texas wine and try to convince them that, you know, that's their, that their that their preconceived notion possibly is not correct now. Absolutely. Well, I'm so excited to visit. I can't wait to get down there and come meet you and say hi. We would love to have you. We'll look forward to seeing you and we'll we'll pull out all the stops. We'll pull out everything that uh, that we want we want to share. And I'm going to come on a Sunday and hear some live music too. I'll bring awesome. my own lawn chair. <laughs> awesome. That sounds great. Thanks, Susan, for sharing your Texas wine story and for those inspiring words. Y'all be sure to check out the Texas Heritage Vineyard commemorative wines that honor the 175th anniversary of Fredericksburg, which is celebrated this year. Also follow Texas Heritage on Facebook and Instagram to get the scoop on live music, the flag retirement ceremonies, and their new wine releases, too. That website is texasheritagevineyard.com. Next up, in a new segment, I'm handing out demerits and gold stars. I'm slowly but surely getting our new place in Fredericksburg ready to rent out as a short-term rental. We've decided to work with Heavenly Host, a management company that will operate the rental. Heavenly Host has the cutest houses and the best service in the area. Check out their website. It's heavenlyhosts.com. Whether you're looking for a romantic getaway on a nearby ranch or a family home just blocks from Main Street, that's heavenlyhost.com. 
and tell them the Texas Wine Podcast sent you. Okay, I'm introducing a new segment called Demerits and Gold Stars. Each episode, I'll give out demerits or gold stars to the best and the worst things I'm seeing in Texas wine, and I invite your nominations too. Drop me a line or leave me a voicemail to share your thoughts. Well, let's start with the good news. I'm giving a gold star to Teenage Wasteland. That's the new Boland Vineyards release. That's the FFA project of the Boland's daughter, Reese. It's a 2020 Malbec Rosé with a super limited production of only 18 cases. Reese had originally planned to use Morvedra for this project, but between weather woes and chemical drift, the plants didn't produce any fruit at all. So she came up with a plan B that included using Malbec from her parents' vineyard. The wine is available online, but you'd better hurry because there's just not much of it. Reese's Rosé of Malbec gets a gold star because that's the coolest FFA project I've ever heard of, and also the best wine name for a teenage vintner. I'd play a clip of the Who's 1971 hit, but I don't want to get thrown into podcaster's jail for copyright infringement, so I'll leave it up to you to go take a listen. My demerit goes to Mother Nature. Another podcast and more reports of severe weather. This time it was hail falling on Lubbock and Brownfield on May the 14th. Major Texas wine grape grower Andy Timmons shared a video on his Facebook page of a swirling cloud right over his vineyard. It definitely looked like a funnel cloud forming right in front of him. Mother Nature, enough already. 2021 has brought snowmageddon, hail, tornadoes. You can do better. Please give the farmers a break. If you've enjoyed the show, please tell someone else about it. And if you haven't already subscribed to the podcast, why not do that now? That way you won't miss an episode. I'd love to hear from you. Send me your comments, questions, or ideas for future episodes to texaswinepod at gmail.com or leave me a voicemail at 802-585-1286. Maybe I'll share your comment or question on the next show. Remember, all of the show notes for this episode are at thisistexaswine.com. That's where you'll find the links to all of the news stories I shared. And while you're there, you can also sign up for the newsletter and click support the podcast tab to buy me a glass of Texas wine. Big thanks to Matt McGinnis of Big Thirst Marketing for helping me secure podcast guests. And also to Texas Wine Lover website and Jeff Cope for helping promote the podcast. I've been enjoying the winemaker profiles on Texas Wine Lover, including the most recent one with Tiffany Farrell of Hack Winery. Turns out she used to work at the microbiology lab at NASA. Visit TXWineLover.com to find out more about Tiffany or to plan your next winery visit. Thanks for listening to This is Texas Wine. I'll be back soon with another interview and the latest news from the Texas wine industry. My next guests are Mike McHenry and Seth Urbanic from Wedding Oak Winery. Cheers, y'all.